0: Anything Combat with Johnny K.
1: But it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back, Combatants, to the Anything Combat show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny Kane. today we're joined by two special guests. We're joined by a father and daughter, Combo. The first guest is a entrepreneur and a Muay Thai champion in Canada, and the second is his daughter, IFMA, world champion, Olivia Basus and Thanos Basus. So, welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanos, when did you know that you were going to get Olivia involved in Muay Thai and combat sports?
2: Um, funny enough, it just happened very organically. I used to train and fight, and I love to travel to Thailand. So, upon my travels when she was quite young, three, four years old, she showed a lot of interest and really wanted to be. Follow me around to the gym and running with me and hitting pads. So early on, I knew she had a zest and a love for it. Like most kids, they like to kick and punch. But it really started to come to life when she was nine years old. She always wanted to spar and she got interested in fighting. So after her first amateur fight, I knew that she was special and she really wanted it.
1: Where was that video taken when you had her on your back and you were running in Thailand? Where was that? Yeah,
2: that was in Thailand, in Phuket, actually. Uh, We've been going to a gym called Sinbi Muay Thai since 2009. They're like family to us. They're super nice. So anyone wanting to look at a good gym to train at in Phuket, Phuket is paradise. Uh, Sinbi Muay Thai, great place. I was preparing for one of my uh, pro fights at the time, and I used to take Olivia on my stroller like a running stroller, and she wanted to start running with me. So I knew she couldn't run, you know, 5 to 10K at such a young age. She was, I think, 5 years old at the time.
0: 4 or so, 5, yeah.
2: 4 or 5, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she'd run a kilometer, and I would carry this little baby carrier. When she'd get <laughs> tired, I would throw her on my back, and I'd run the rest for as much as I could with her on my back.
1: Olivia, tell me about the IFMA World Championship for 2023. What did that mean to you to win the competition?
0: It was an amazing experience. Um, uh, last, no, two years ago, no, it was last year, 2022, I wanted to win so badly. And then when I won this year, I was so happy and I knew that finally my training was coming together and it was an amazing
1: experience. Congratulations. Can you tell me about Isaiah's skill level in Muay Thai? You train with him all the time.
0: Yeah, Isaiah's definitely gonna be better than me. He was, he's better than me when I was at nine years old. Um, My dad finds some opponents bigger than him, just like he did for me. And now if he ever fights somebody his size, if anybody, ever wants to step up to him at his size he'll walk right through them.
2: Just to add to that point, um, when she was nine, she wanted to fight, so I I thought to myself, if I really want to push her and see if she wants this, I'd match her up with older or bigger opponents or heavier opponents, and she lost her first four fights. But when she started fighting girls her size, uh, it was quite easy. So for Isaiah, his last four fights have only been against bigger and heavier opponents, and uh, he's been losing, but... I know that the formula is to really push them hard and to try to you know, match them with opponents that may have an edge on them, which is weight or age. And when it comes to really important tournaments or important fights, then I match them up with someone their size and the fights are a lot easier. So that's the goal for
1: Isaiah. You can both answer this individually. What do you think the hardest you've ever been hit was?
0: Probably it wasn't even in my fight. Probably in training. Um sparring definitely. definitely. Jack,
2: definitely. Sparring uh, with who?
0: Probably the boys <laughs> in Malaysia in Rentap. Um and then sometimes my dad. But I always mess him up after, so <laughs> it's <a> fair
1: <laughs> And you, Tanios? Um,
2: I believe in training much, much harder than you fight. Um Yeah, I believe in overtraining. I believe in, you know, working really hard in the gym. Uh, This way you can fight easy. So I've had a pretty few serious injuries. I've broken a lot of bones in training. Um, My worst is probably I, I suffered four broken ribs from a spinning back kick against a K1 fighter, much heavier than me. I got four broken ribs, a punctured lung at the same time as a result of the broken ribs. I was in the hospital for six days. I had a hemothorax, so I had to put a tube in my chest and stayed in hospital for six days. So it was a pretty significant injury, uh, but it made me a lot stronger. I don't, I don't regret it. it. Took me a year to recover, but when I fight, the fights are always much easier than the training.
1: Tanios, you kind of seem like you have a down pat with how much success Olivia has had. So, how many other children do you have, and are you gonna get them into? combat sports and Muay Thai competition, the same that you've done for Olivia?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, people may not hear this. I'm not huge on having, like, my kids getting punched in the head for a living. Like, that's not what I want for any kid. But when something happens organically, she really wants it bad. Like, she wants it so bad that I push her to the extreme in her training, in her post-training, in her recovery, in her food, you know, in her, in her mental work. So she wants it so bad that um, I have to push her. Same with my other kids. I don't let them fight unless they really want it bad enough. It's not a hobby where they're going to go in the ring and get their head beat up by some other child who's training really hard, who's got a pretty serious parent that trains them hard. So if it happens organically for them, great. Isaiah, you have mentioned he loves Muay Thai. He loves everything about martial arts uh, that he trains really hard. So I think all kids should be involved in some sort of martial art. I'm huge for that, what it teaches them, you know, confidence, self-awareness, problem-solving skills. But being a combat sport, it's very extreme. Uh, If they want to do it organically, yes, I'll I'll be there to push them and support them, but I won't push them into it.
1: Olivia, what's your favorite combination to throw in sparring and training?
0: Uh, It's definitely – you throw the Jap cross and while you're throwing the cross you disguise um a step knee. So while you're throwing the cross you step with your right leg into a knee. And we call that combo four. So yeah.
2: Yeah, we have we have we have combo numbers for our fights, so and combo four we've been working on that combo since she was like five. So this is my favorite combo was the one she mentioned. And it's her favorite combo, funny enough. Yeah, so it's a one-two step knee. It's very basic. All we do is train very basic and make things perfect from a basic standpoint. Our fundamentals are perfect. So when I say basic, I sure refer to it more as fundamentals. Our fundamentals are perfect. that We don't need to be doing anything fancy. So, yeah.
1: During the amateur fights, uh, do you call out the numbers as she's sparring people? Sorry, as she's fighting people?
2: I'll let her answer that. Uh,
0: sometimes, yes. Like if I'm fighting a harder person, he usually yells out to me in the fight. But if he knows that I'm going to win, he kind of wants to see. I think that's what you Yeah, saying. yeah. He kind of like wants to see. It. Yeah,
2: sometimes I want her to feel like she's, an, she's on an island on her own. Because as a, as a fighter, in the future, she'll be able to develop and make changes on the fly. You know, I can I yell combo one, two, four, you know, five. Uh, but other times I'll sit back and watch her Make some mistakes so she can actually develop that skill in the ring. Because in the future when she's fighting super high level fighters, by the time I say combo four, it's already too late. So I'm having her adjust on the fly. But uh, usually I'll I'll yell some combos if I see an opening. It's always the numbers. I won't say like left hook. No, I'll just say one. I'll keep it simple. One, two, I'll just say the number and then she'll adjust to it and throw it at her right time.
1: Is one championship the goal? I see you training with so many one championship fighters, so it seems like that's where your career is kind of going towards. Panios. do you see that being a, a possibility in the next uh, like seven years? What what timeline are we talking here?
2: Yeah, um, I that's a really good question, actually. Her, she's got a trainer in Malaysia. You I'm sure you probably know him, Addis from Rentap Muay Thai. Rentap, incredible gym. It's a family to us there, so. We do train with a lot of one-championship fighters, but thanks to her coach in Malaysia, Coach Addy. Uh, she'll be in one-championship quite soon. We're hoping two to three years. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Chachri, look out for Olivia. We know you see her already, so thank you for the supports. Uh, yeah, it's very, very doable. Is that the goal for you, the dream?
0: It's definitely um, a goal of mine, but uh, the really big dream that I have is to show any ordinary boys or girls, young boys or girls, that they could push themselves past the limit and whatever they believe, they could do that.
1: The guys at Rentap, they're a great gym. I had Johan on the show, very stand-up guys and very good competitors. So can you tell me about your work with uh, Johan Ghazali as well as the guys at Rentap? What's the sparring rounds there like? <clears throat> What's yeah. the sparring rounds like over there? And what are the coaches like?
2: Sure. Uh, I'll start because we both have different experience. I had a a pro fight training camp with them at the same time as Olivia. So we were both on the same card. We have similar experiences, but probably from different lenses. For me, I got to start off by telling uh, the world that Johan learned that incredible hook from, you know, you know who, you know. Uh, But yeah, incredible people, uh, the entire Ghazali family. Uh, Incredible, hardworking, lovely family, right from the father and the mother all the way down. Uh, There's three brothers and a a sister, incredible human beings. They're all great workers, very hard workers. Johan has a a spark to him. He's very charismatic. Uh, Never met a harder worker. I've been in sports my entire life, seen some very high-level athletes. Uh, He doesn't take a rep off. He's very diligent. He's not born super athletic by any means. He's not tall, he's not fast, You know, he's not overly strong, but he makes it up with incredible work ethic. One of the fastest, strongest uh, young men I've ever met, only because of his incredible work ethic. This guy's gonna get to the top of the world. He'll be a household name in the next few years. As for the training there, it's very extreme. It's not for the faint of heart. Coach Addy is a professional. He takes it very, very seriously. He's gonna control your life, everything you do and move in the gym. He's gonna dictate, and if you want to be the best in the world, you go and try to beg Coach Addy to coach you. He's absolutely incredible. The support system they have there—the two ladies that own the gym, Janana and Dolphina—incredible support system for you know any foreign fighters that want to go there and train. I bring my whole family there; all four my kids train there. Uh, they take care of you like you're one of their own. It's absolutely amazing. And the running—I'll tell—let Olivia, Olivia dive into the actual training. It's very extreme.
0: The training is um, very, very hard. You run 12 kilometers in the morning, and then right after that, you don't have a second to breathe. He calls you up in the ring, tells you to wrap your hands. Then you're hitting the pads, and you're clinching, and you're sparring. And then you have a few hours in between to eat and sleep, take a nap. And then again, you run another 12 kilometers, so 24 kilometers every day, every single day. Your legs yeah, are Every broken. day. It's no joke.
2: Every day. I didn't believe them, but it was every day.
0: And then the same thing again, but even harder in the afternoon.
2: And the, uh, the training hours are four hours in the morning. So we're running on the road at six. If you're a minute late, uh, you're going to get punished by Coach Addy. I'll let you dive into that maybe in another podcast, what his punishments look like. But if you're a minute late, you're going to get punished. So 6 a.m., we're running. Uh, cannot be late. And our training sessions are four hours, sometimes four and a half. You don't finish before 10 a.m. in the morning. Eat. Nap, come back in the evening, uh four o'clock, you cannot be late again, not a minute late. Uh and then we go again four hours, eight PM, eight thirty sometimes, every day.
0: And then you have some dinner and then you you sleep and then you wake up again yeah. at like five thirty to get to the gym at six. Yeah. So it's That's ridiculous. crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And she's I, a, kid. I, she's, a kid. she's a kid. She's doing it at thirteen years old. So she's leaps and bounds ahead of a competition at her age, leaps and bounds
1: ahead. So the people that rent up, you're bringing up the fact that they're constantly overtraining and this surplus of overtraining has led to them being just cardio monsters and, and really well conditioned athletes. And you were telling me before that you like to overtrain. So was their training style conducive to your training regimen and helping even your game? Yeah, that's a great question. So
2: You know, when I say the term overtraining, I don't mean overtraining. I mean just training more than everybody else. So I know you know Muay Thai fighters, they train like crazy. And I've been training Muay Thai in Thailand since 2009. I've never been to a gym that trains this hard and this long and this diligent. So I'm 41. I just, I I had a fight, a pro fight at 40 years old. And my biggest worry was cardio. So I said to myself, I'm going to commit to this camp at Rentap. And uh, my biggest worry is my cardio. I went into the fight and I had incredible cardio. I was fighting a mid-20s fighter. He's a local champ in, uh, in Malaysia. So my worry was my cardio and had had better cardio than a mid-20-year-old. You know, and that's evident in seeing fighters like Johan at that gym. He is a cardio machine. He's a beast. People don't realize he's so strong, right? He's knocking everyone out, but he's knocking them out under three rounds. The first two rounds, he's knocking these fighters out. They don't realize once he goes to the later rounds, he's going to be just as fast and just as strong. So look out for this kid, you know, when he's going for the one championship belt and he fights a fighter that maybe can go a little more, go four rounds. Johan's not going to be getting tired. So yeah, I attribute it definitely to the Rentap gym. They are machines, absolute savages in the ring, outside the ring, in their training. They train way harder than they fight. It's, it's, it's madness. It's
1: really madness. Tanios, are you going to still fight?
0: No, he's too old. He's too old.
1: Uh, How old are you now? 41. I'm
2: 41. You know, I love fighting. You know, I love being in a ring with somebody else and there's no escape, right? And all the hard work you did before you got in a ring is going to show. It's on display for everyone to look at. You're like an art piece for everyone to view, whether you did your homework or not, whether you've been conditioned or not. So I love fighting, everything about it. But as a parent of four and owning four businesses, I fight differently than I used to fight in my late 20s when I got into Muay Thai, in my mid-20s when I got into Muay Thai. I fight smart, not because I don't have the cardio, but because I have dependents. I got like four little angels that if I take a, a crazy knockout and I'm drinking through a straw the rest of my life, it's selfish. You know, I'm a vegetable, you know, so I fight very safe, you know, as, as sad to say. I fight very smart, you know. And I have a little more empathy when I'm fighting a young 20-year-old who's got his whole life ahead of him. I don't want to knock him out with a vicious elbow and end this young man's career. So I fight now. I fight as my coach, Coach Adi, you say, fight for happy. You know, I just fight to have a good time. I'm smiling in the ring. If you see my fights, I'll send you some fights. Uh, I-, I smile in the fight. I'm actually having a great time, you know. So, yeah, I fight much different and I used to fight in my late 20s. So I don't know. I'll fight again for sure. I don't want to fight again. I'll, I'll fight again. I love fighting, man. You know? I don't want to fight I train hard. It takes over my life when I train for a fight. So it's uh, it's a lot. It takes over everything. I just train and train and train. But the fighting part is a lot of fun.
1: Olivia, can you tell me why you don't want your dad uh, fighting?
0: <laughs> I don't even know the answer. Because I just don't want you to
2: fight. Yeah, why? Man. Don't is not an answer.
0: Uh. Because I don't want you to get hurt, and you're so old now. (laughs) But, like, if you take, like, one shot...
2: To where? I take lots of shots.
0: From a (laughs) 13-year-old.
2: Yeah. And my style is very uh, pressure, high pressure and forward. I'm, I'm very technical... Uh, I don't move a lot. Like I don't, I don't, I don't cut angles. I don't, I don't angle up, I'm just forward into the clinch. I love the clinch. So I, I, I do take and give a lot of abuse lots. I love it. That I love it that way. Yeah.
1: How important but, was that? Yeah. Sorry, Olivia, go on.
0: But his bones can't take anymore. Brittle
1: bones. <laughs> How important was that Canadian Muay Thai championship? Is that your highlight from your whole career?
2: Yeah. You know, it was nice. You know, I don't really have highlights. Um, it's another mountain to climb, you know, I think there's so much more to life than winning a championship, you know, no, no knock to any other champions, but whether I won or lost, it was, you know, it was, the next day I still have to go to work. I still have to take out the garbage, you know, to so take care of my clients and my kids. Um, it's nice. I'm recognized as a Canadian champion, but you know, on a global scale, I'm a little pea on this rock that's, You know, spinning around the solar system doesn't mean much, you know.
1: Olivia was talking about how she's started in BJJ and grappling. Do you think if she put the same amount of effort that she has into her Muay Thai, into her grappling and transition to MMA later, do you think she will find the same success?
2: Olivia is a savage, man. Um, I've never seen anyone her age ever work like this. I don't know her peak or her ceiling. The more I throw at her, the more coaches I throw at her, the more conditioning, cardio, you know, physical abuse in the ring, mental fatigue. I try to break her down. There's no ceiling to her. I think she's unstoppable. She will be uh, an MMA fighter. MMA fighter in the future. Yeah. Uh, her goal is to be a three,
0: three-time uh, like stamp. Yeah, she, she has she, three different yeah. belts for
2: three three-discipline three champion kickboxing, yeah. MMA, and Muay Thai. She's unstoppable. You know, so I think if that's what she wants, uh, she'll get there,
1: you know. I'm gonna ask you an interesting question now. When did you get involved in the luxury landscapes industry?
2: Mm. Um, I started my business in 2004 and started literally from the ground up. Um, I was a, we were refugees to Canada, so we didn't have a lot of money. We we're quite poor. Um, so I started with nothing. Started my industry, uh, my landscape luxury industry, um, doing very basic work because I didn't know any better. I taught myself everything. And fast forwarded to like 17 years later when I started transitioning to the luxury market, I taught myself everything. You know, I studied a lot. Uh, I like to create. So it was a very slow process. It's been, you know, 20, 20 years now. So when I started transitioning to the luxury market, I was able to bring my passion, my creativity forward. And that's where I found my niche. And um, because I'm so passionate about it, And because I try to be really authentic to what I'm creating to each specific client, I was able to really take over the market in the Toronto area. So where we're from, uh, I do quite well in that sense. And maybe a message to anybody, just stay real to who you are and your craft. Try not to be or copy anybody else. Definitely, I have inspirations of people in my field, uh, which is great to have. But, you know, don't imitate them. Try to get inspired by them.
1: So you started that business in 2004. I was born 2003. How does that make you feel?
2: Oh, uh, I still feel young, man. I, I got kids keeping me young. So it's cool. It's cool. It feels like a lifetime. It feels like a lifetime ago. I've I experienced a lot in my life, but yeah, age is just a number, man.
1: Olivia, can you tell me about your sparring with your dad?
0: So... He doesn't just ah, daddy, daddy. (laughs) I'm trying to. He doesn't just spar with me. He trains me twice a day when we're in Canada, and then when we go to Malaysia, we train together. But here in Canada,
2: well, I train. I have to run with her, bro, every day, every day, (laughs) twice a day. So it's plus
0: one. And then um, there's a big weight difference, but I still mess him up. That's that's how you know we shouldn't fight. It. Really? Yeah.
2: Come on, but you have really gonna ask that. Yes. <laughs> oh, <man.
0: laughs>
2: oh, yeah. She cries. She cries almost every day if we spar. You too. Yeah, I cry. <laughs> we, die, we, we push each other hard. You know, I love to push her hard. And for me, fighting is mental, more than physical. At the highest level, everyone is good. Everyone is fit, but it's all mental. So when we spar. It's a mind game and she's getting very good at that chess game in the ring. She'll make the faces, she'll, she'll make the jokes, she'll make the body language of teasing me, stuff I've been drilling in her since she's a kid. So yeah, it's very mental for us.
1: How does an athlete get to that next level? I keep on seeing these fighters who have all the skills but they lack focus in the fight for a split second and they lose and they say to themselves, but I could have won that fight or that could have gone differently. So what do you think athletes have to do to maintain and really, really hone in on that focus element of fighting, seeing that it's so important in um, such a fast paced sport? Mm.
2: It's a very good question because like you said, a split second can change a lot. Uh, I believe being trained, you know, spend lots of time in your training and your camp, take nothing off. Uh, If you over-train and over-prepare, Um, you know, these lapses in judgment or split-second mistakes where you're not paying attention, that's where I think it costs you. Again, I'm not a high-level fighter by any means. Uh, I am a professional in any craft I try to touch, but uh, I believe in overtraining. So being well-prepared. These high-level athletes may not have been well-prepared, you know. Um, That's what I think. I think pushing yourself to the limit in your training will give you the best advantage to getting to the next level and you have to treat it like any other job. People go to work for eight to 12 hours a day. Your job at Muay Thai should be the same, whether you're resting, sleeping, or eating, you gotta be a a professional at it and outwork everybody if you wanna be the best.
1: Tanios, you told me that when you saw Olivia training, you realized that she really wanted to fight and that she was completely serious about the profession. Was there a particular fight that when you watched it, it convinced you that this was the life for her?
0: I don't even know this answer.
1: Yeah. You know, I, uh,
2: she fought, uh, look, I gave her four hard fights in the beginning, girls bigger than her. Right. Cause I didn't know if I wanted this for her. She had to prove it to me if she wanted this because it's a big commitment, right. Uh, it's a commitment on the whole family when you have a fighter at this level. So I gave her really hard matchups. Against bigger girls, and she cried after every fight she lost. They're quite, they're like two, three weight classes bigger. And I said, You still won? She said, Yeah. And she worked hard in the gym. But when I finally gave her a matchup against the, the Jordanian champion, she was fighting for Freedom Fighter Promotions, right? Great promotion to fight at. Uh, Rami from Freedom Fighter Promotions got Olivia to Jordan to fight the Jordanian champion. And at that moment, she fought someone her weights and her age.
0: It lasted and- like
2: 19 seconds. Yeah, it was a 30-second fight. But what impressed me was um, she threw that basic combo, combo four, one, two, step knee, and uh, ended the fight very quickly, just a body knee. She came back to the corner, and I said, this is it. Like, she's leaps and bounds ahead of her competition at her age. And uh, when she went to Ren Tap for the first time, it was meant to break her, and she excelled. She ate it all up. She cried almost every day at training. But she wanted it more and more. You know, she was just thirsty for it. So I knew that this is a life for her.
1: With that step in knee, is it from the lead leg or the rear? It's uh, so.
2: It's the, the it's, left leg. It's the front leg, which would be your left leg. So uh, if you're standing in orthodox position, it would be like a switch knee, like a switch knee. So instead of like your rear knee, your strong knee, it's actually a switch knee or a step knee, as Olivia referred to it. It's a one-two step. You disguise your knee with the step and you have a full open body like so. When you're using your left knee and the opponent's standing orthodox, it's a perfect wide open position where a lot of people throw the right knee because it's more comfortable. But we've been practicing that one two step knee since she was five. So it's second nature. I believe in attacking the weak side of the body because most people train on the strong side. So our game plan is all weak side. You know, Kao was a big influence on my fight career. He's got incredible left kicks, incredible left knees, incredible left teeps. So that's what we practiced with Livia. Everyone has a great right kick. Everyone's got a great right punch. Most, you know, fighters don't even bother the left side. So we only practice weak side. And that's how she hurts a lot of her opponents.
1: When did you start, uh, when did you find that particular part of the game that you were focusing on only weak side of the body? Where did you, where did you learn this?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Um, I learned it from my first trainer, uh, who's a very good friend of mine, Aaron. He was one of Canada's best fighters. And I'm under uh, a John Suchart. He's Canada's master. He brought Muay Thai to Canada. He's huge on having a balanced fight style, uh, you know, left and, left side and right side. But Aaron really, he landed it on me. And I was like, wow, this is a weak side. So I love, I love sports. I love fighting. So I took that in and I visualized how it landed. So I started learning that, most people don't work it, so they don't work the left side. So I, it came to me in that sense, having it pushed upon me by eating it and getting it delivered to me. And then doing it in fights, I found it worked a lot. And I passed that down to Olivia, my knowledge from my master and my friends passing down to Olivia. She's had great success with it. So Mike sort of just funneled down from my, from the camps I've been to and the people I've been to my experiences passed down to her. And even till now, all her opponents – don't practice it at her age. So she surprises them.
1: Olivia, can you tell me about the WBC Muay Thai youth games in Mexico? Did you have fun there?
0: Uh, Mexico was a great experience. Um, I've been to Mexico once before that fight and when I was really little, so I didn't get a, get the whole weather, the whole, the people, everything. The people are very nice. WBC was an amazing experience very very great um so if there's any fight that is in mexico i would definitely take it in heartbeat mexico is a beautiful place to go
2: and the rep we had a rep wbc america rep patrick uh he took care of us really well we didn't have a manager on the canada side uh there were some logistical issues so patrick took care of us it wasn't a big canadian team so special thanks to patrick for going out of his way he was a WBC America rep, but took Canada under his wings. So thank you for that.
1: What countries have you both uh, fought in?
2: She's a superstar, man. She <laughs> she goes all over the world.
0: So what my dad said already, Jordan, uh, Thailand, um, New York. Mm, there's a lot more. Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah. Um,
2: Mexico, USA. She get a lot of invites too. She gets, it's just a lot of promotions inviting her to go, but just logistically doesn't plan out. Hawaii, Hawaii, um,
0: Miami. Yeah. Um, definitely on the top of my list is definitely UAE, and then she wants to
2: fight in the UAE. Yeah. Eventually,
0: and then Italy, and definitely Hawaii. Yeah.
2: For me, I fought in uh, Canada, US, and Thailand. There's nothing like fighting. Oh, and Malaysia. Nothing like not Turkey. Yeah, Turkey. That's right. Someone's yelling Turkey in the background she's fought in Turkey Thailand is no place like fighting in Thailand and if you fight in Thailand it's an amazing experience doesn't matter the level whether it's like at a bar or a big stadium Thai people treat Muay Thai like a way of life it is a way of life for them it's part of their culture part of their uh, lifestyle so it's a beautiful place to fight very authentic so I urge everybody go and learn Muay Thai in Thailand fight in Thailand Uh, It will really make you appreciate what Muay Thai truly is.
1: I saw a video with Olivia talking about the visualization component right before her fights. So can you unpack the mental training that the team's been doing with Olivia for just meditation, visualization, and uh, manifestation? Sure, I'll let
2: Olivia answer that and maybe I'll add to it a bit after.
0: So, my dad definitely pushed that mental, light, mental side of me a lot. Um, when I was younger, he always told me to visualize my fight, visualize it, visualize it. And now, like weeks before my fight, I always think how I'm going to end the fight, my hand getting raised up, um, what's my game plan for that fight, what am I going to do for that fight. So, it's definitely great, um, great practice to have if you. Could ever find someone to teach you how to visualize your fight, Medi- meditate is very, very good.
2: Yeah, so I'm big on the mental side of things because at the top level, both athletes are, you know, well-trained, strong, good cardio, good technique, have, you know, 100, 200, 300 fights? Yeah, I, I'm big on the mental side of fighting because at the top level, everyone is well-prepared physically. You know, um, some fighters may lack the mental side, which is, uh, practicing what your combos should look like, visualizing what your fight can be, the different scenarios in the fights against your opponents. These are extra repetitions that you're practicing while your body's resting. You know, meditating and practicing in a quiet space. Uh, you know, your combos, how they should look, how your body should be. Getting mentally prepared for your fight is just as important as getting ready physically for your fights, especially at the top level.
1: Tanios, can you tell me when you met Eric J. Roker? And uh, Olivia, can you tell me, uh, do you like spending time with this coach and do you like working with this coach?
0: Yes. Uh, He's one of my favorite coaches. He's not just a coach. He's also, he is very funny. And whenever you're sore, he just, like, goes up to you and just, like, <laughs> and he is very nice to everybody in the gym.
2: Yeah. I have I've met Eric when Eric started Muay Thai before he was this incredible fighter, you know, and uh, I think he's got a great future ahead of him as, as a coach. Uh, he's retired from fighting and he's made a great name for himself internationally um, because I have know we trained at the same gym from where he started. We're at Mafa, an incredible gym with an incredible leader, uh, Crew Gerald, and uh, very accepting of everybody and their different styles. And I have a different style than Eric, and that's the point. Because my style is very traditional. Um, I don't want Olivia just to learn one style. She has many different styles. And we're trying to arm her toolbox with so many different styles. So Eric brings a great side of things that I lack. So he's an incredible coach. He's seen so many things in fighting and management and managerial mistakes for fighters. So now he's taking uh, Olivia under his wing and teaching her the path that maybe he wished she had before.
1: Both of you can answer this one. What do you think is the best part of Olivia's game? It could be the distance managing and the defense. It could be the head movement, could be the clinch game, or it could just be the offense. I'll let Olivia go first.
0: So definitely my game is the whole game. Like if my opponent's very good at kicking, I'll kill them in the boxing. If my opponent's good at boxing, I'll Kill them with my kicks. If my opponent is good at moving around, staying farther, I'll stay close. I'll clinch them up. If they're good at clinching, I'll stay far and move around. So I'm. I feel like I'm a very well-rounded fighter, and I have all the tools in the box that I need.
2: You like, you, you can't fake this. You know, once you're in the ring, that's why I love fighting. When you're in the ring, you can't fake that you're good at clinch. You know, you can't fake that you can defend a clinch. You can't fake that you got good cardio. So Olivia. Our goal is to make her a complete fighter. So at her age, her weight group, she's a fully complete fighter. She can clinch with the besom, spar, a box, kick, has the best cardio you've ever seen. So at any part of the game, she's incredible. And that's the goal, to have her be able to adjust and be better than any person at their actual best. So if there's a great boxer she's going against. She has to be a better boxer than them. Now we're much smarter, we'll prepare... If the person's a great boxer, we're gonna work the long game. If they're a great clincher, we'll work the long game. If they're a great if they're a great kicker, we'll work the close game. But the goal is to have her be the best at every part of the game. So I think the best part of her game is her complete game. She's a she's a total package.
1: How important is it to fight bigger opponents? And Olivia, who's the biggest person that you've ever sparred with? Who
0: would you like to go first? <laughs> so Probably the biggest person I've ever sparred with is Coach Eric. <laughs> as, good, as a kid or Adam yeah, like yeah. spar a kid like a, a kid or Adam. Yeah,
2: kids, cause adults take it easy on her, you know.
0: Uh. Mm.
2: You go. I don't oh no, they're all
0: bigger than me. Yeah, everyone,
2: she always spars with bigger people. Like uh, all the girls in the gym are women. You know, they're they're twenty year olds, eighteen year olds, twenty six year old women. That she spars against. We try to get in the gym. Women are more her height. But the weights is a pretty big difference. Uh, her fights. She's fought a lot of bigger weight classes. She just won 34 kg IFMA world champion. But before that she won 36 kg freedom fighter world champion. And she wasn't 36 kg. She was walking around at 34, 35 kg. So she went up a weight class. Because nobody wants to fight or her weight anymore. So she takes on bigger opponents because it's either fight bigger or don't fight anybody. So I think the importance of training bigger is important. Fighting bigger is a little bit dangerous um, because if they're just as good as her but they're heavier, you know, it put, it exposes her a little bit. So we try to be weary on, um, you know, picking the right heavier opponent. You know, but for now at this age, we just want to fight. We'll take on anybody. Her weight, no problem. Send a location. We're coming. You know, we get people calling her out online. I'll fight you. We just say, send location, we're coming. You know, any promoter will, you know, fly out anywhere in the world to come fight. So send location and we're coming. No problem.
1: What's the story behind working with Rob Marano and what's his skill level like?
0: Um, I started as a gymnast uh, when I was like seven to like nine. Um my ankles always hurt and my dad used to take me with him to get uh like when my dad needed to get chiro. Wait, yeah. what's it called? Yeah. Chiro therapy. Therapy. Um and then one time this is a funny story, my dad was getting like those band-aid thing, what's it called? Like the All the those tape.
2: tapes. You know those tapes that like
1: I forgot what they're called.
2: They're like they're on your muscles to hold your muscles and ligaments.
1: Yeah, I'm saying them, I'm saying them, yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. He were getting it he was getting it on his back one time and I thought it was cool. So I asked for one on my foot. <laughs> and he's so nice that he gave me one on my foot. So
2: He taped up a foot for her. So Dr. Rob has been taking care of my family since I was fighting. You know, you know since mid-early 2000s. Um, and he sponsors Olivia. He takes care of her. He's an incredible doctor and friend. Uh, we joke around that when I'm on the bed, he's taking care of me. It's more than just therapy you know it's it's life we talk about life in there so incredible human being really well for her recovery takes care of her helps even with nutritional advice but it's not you know promoted because he's a doctor but uh really takes care of us very thankful to have dr rob in our corner
1: Olivia's still young so how much strength and conditioning is the team focusing on with her
0: I do two times a week, but before my fight, I take a week off to let my muscles relax and like, um, yeah, relax, but I do the first day of the week. I do upper body and then, uh, legs. So it's very balanced. I,
2: yeah. So her weight training regime is twice a week with crew Gerald. Uh, they go heavy, they lift heavy, try to pack on muscle on her body. Uh, and uh, we train six days a week. So we carve out an hour in that six days a week, twice a day. We carve out an hour to get some weight training in. So it's helped her game a lot. She's very strong for her weight class. She fights at 34 kg and uh, there's no one at her size that's this strong.
1: What's Jeff Chan like?
0: Uh, he was very nice. Uh, we met him at TDED, uh in Bangkok. He was very nice to me. He taught me a few moves while we were sparring. He took it easy and he was definitely very nice. He was funny. And definitely I would like to move around with him one day again.
2: Yeah, he's just like how you see on camera, super cool guy, you know. You know, when you meet someone, you're like, oh, I'm not that impressed by them. They're so much more impressive on camera. Uh, He's even cooler in person.
1: What's finally, what's one thing that people don't know about you? Danios, you can go first and then Olivia.
2: <laughs> Olivia, go first. No. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you too. I didn't think about this. Uh, one thing that people that don't know and maybe I want them to know?
1: Yeah, why not? Oh,
2: man. I don't really, I don't really want people to know much about me, to be honest. <laughs> um, people don't know about me. Jeez. Uh, I'm, I'm really passionate. I wear my heart on my sleeve. People sometimes like my staff or clients or people that just see me, they think I'm a bit scary and I wear my heart on my sleeve. So I don't know. I think a lot, so I'm quiet and people take that the wrong way. But I'm approachable, but some people look at me, get a little bit nervous or scared to talk to me. If I come in a room and I don't say hi to somebody, they'll get scared. Oh my God, is Tony mad at me? He didn't say hi to me. But sometimes I'm just so deep in thought that I really didn't even notice, you know, that person in the room.
1: So, I love it. And, and you, Olivia? Uh,
0: I like to read and draw.
1: <laughs> Great and,
2: answer.
0: And yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's a bookworm. She's, uh, she's always in a book, you know. And, oh,
0: and I like movies and TV.
2: Yeah, we love movies together, yeah. 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 yeah and she's an incredible drawer, actually. Incredible. Very, it, it impresses me.
1: That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Olivia, and thank you, Daniels, for coming on the show. Is there any final remarks you want to say to your fans at home as we wrap up the podcast?
0: I just want to say thank you for my dad and my mom for being so supportive and driving me to the gym every day, packing my bags for me um, and for you for training me.
2: I just want to say thanks to everyone that's come across in my life. Um, There's such a big support system. You know, it doesn't take just a parent. I mean, I'm on here, but we have a whole team behind us. And if I didn't mention anybody, I'm sorry. You know, everyone that's in my life is in my life for a reason. We're super thankful. Uh, So for everyone who supports us near and far, we're very grateful for everything you do, whether it's little or small, it doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you, everyone. And one championship, look out for this girl. She's going to be there in two years.
1: Follow Tanios and Olivia on Instagram, link in the description, and follow Anything Combat on Spotify. We will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you.